Hi there, I'm Jessica Porter, and welcome back to Sleep Magic, a podcast where I help you find the magic of your own mind, helping you to sleep better and live better. Thank you, everyone, for being here, for listening and subscribing. Your support makes this show possible. And if you're not in a position to subscribe, thanks for supporting the show in other ways, like telling your friends or posting about it on social media. Um, We've gotten some really nice reviews lately from people with their own sort of online names, (laughs) like one from Hehehehehe and PageWiz and TinkBaby101, Tauka1, Kristen Freya, LA Lady Bling, Humboldt Female Citizen, and Joe Roy 84 Those are just some of the cool names you guys are thinking up. Um, if I haven't mentioned you, know that I see all the reviews. I totally appreciate them and take the feedback from them. So thank you. Uh, people have been mentioning stuff like Sleep Magic is helping them during the day, that it makes them feel comfortable and happy before going to sleep, and just hearing my voice is causing their bodies to relax. And I just want to say, that's all happening because you are ready to relax and feel better and be more comfortable. I'm just the catalyst, but the change is happening in you as you let go of resistance to feeling good. And we're all meant to feel good. So thank you so much again for practicing with me. Tonight. Getting Sleepy in an Art Gallery with Claude Monet. Before we get started, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors who make this free content possible. Hi guys, Jessica here. To unlock the very best Sleep Magic experience, you can now become a supporter of the show with Sleep Magic Premium. Now get this. By joining the premium feed, you'll be able to listen totally ad-free. I mean, ad-free, and enjoy two bonus episodes every month, as well as unlocking the entire back catalog of over 80 bonus episodes. It's really easy to do this. You can join in just two taps on Apple Podcasts or by hitting the Supercast link in the show notes for all other podcast players. And you can cancel anytime. I love what I do. And your support will help make everything that goes into this show sustainable. So thank you. I live in Los Angeles, and at least once every year, I try to make it to the Getty Center, a museum perched high in the Santa Monica Mountains. Established with the fortune left by John Paul Getty, it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And although it contains some very good art, some of which we will be discovering tonight, going to the Getty is a treat in and of itself. You take a monorail up a mountain, and when you reach the center itself, you see that it's made of just three beautiful and simple materials, glass, metal, and travertine limestone from Italy. And not only is the Getty Center full of art, it has a view that spans from the ocean to downtown L.A., a huge expanse. 
And being up there, looking out over the city, is just good for my soul. And when I arrive, I go straight to one particular room. Room 204 in the West Pavilion, filled with 19th century European paintings. And there I look at the Haystacks by Claude Monet. And we will go to sleep tonight studying that painting. So get yourself into a safe and comfortable position, and let's begin. So, as always, just allow your eyes to close easily and gently. (sighs) Bring your awareness for a moment to your breath. You don't have to do anything fancy with your breath. Just notice it. Just bringing your awareness back to your body. Just bringing your awareness back home to your breath. It's like you're winding the energy back to your own personal energy system. Good. And now I'd like you to bring your awareness up into your eyelids. And imagine that the little muscles of your eyelids are feeling loose and limp and relaxed. And just allow your eyelids to get nice and heavy. Mm, Delicious heaviness in your eyelids. And as your eyelids get heavier and sleepier and more comfortable, I'd like you to imagine that your eyelids are so relaxed they simply will not open. And now I'd like you to test your eyelids to make sure they won't open by wiggling your eyebrows. Now, of course, you could open your eyelids if you want to, but we're pretending that we can't. Just give them a nice tug. Good. Great. Now, this relaxation that you have around your eyes is the same quality of relaxation you will soon have throughout your entire body. Some of you may already be deeply, deeply relaxed. So let's just imagine this relaxation around your eyes moving through your brain and now spilling down into your torso, down your arms, and down your legs. Let's just imagine again that wonderful, warm, relaxing feeling spilling down, down through your neck, your shoulders down into your arms, down deep into your torso and belly, and now down into your legs. Just receive this relaxation. Just open to this relaxation. Good. Now I'm going to be reading this story of going to the Getty Center tonight. And the sound of my voice will take you deeper and deeper into relaxation. 
So just allow your mind to notice the sound of my voice. And as your mind attaches to the sound of my voice, with every word I say, your body and mind are going deeper and deeper. And it feels so good. You are standing on a platform, waiting for a tram that will take you on a winding track 900 feet up a small mountain to the Getty Center. It's a sunny day. Even the platform for the tram is calming and soothing. The platform is made of travertine limestone, which is cream-colored and pitted with tiny holes. Sometimes you can even see tiny fossils in the stone. And each square of stone is exactly 30 inches by 30 inches. 76 centimeters by 76 centimeters. The designer of the Getty Center, Richard Meyer, decided that this was the perfect area for a person to stand in comfortably. to take up space, to breathe, to be. So as you stand on your personal square of ancient travertine, mined from a quarry in Italy, you feel good, going deeper, and deeper into relaxation. Feeling relaxed and calm and comfortable. The electric tram arrives at the base of the mountain. It has only three small cars. You get on board and take a seat. As it begins its ascent up the side of the mountain, overlooking a highway, you see across into the hills and the neighborhood of Bel Air, with its manicured gardens, beautiful houses, and a vineyard or two. Your eyes climb to the cloudless blue sky as you go up and up and up. And the higher you go up the mountain, the more 
relaxed you're becoming. The higher the tram is taking you, the deeper you're going. Your whole body becoming so relaxed, heavy, heavy, and relaxed. You finally arrive at the Getty Center. It's a collection of buildings on 110 acres on the top of a mountain. You are greeted by a large, wide staircase made of travertine. It is so wide that there are several modern sculptures dotting it. You walk up the stairs, admiring the sculptures, and come to the first building. Like all the buildings here, it is made from just glass, metal, and limestone. all in creamy beige and white. The sun reflects so brilliantly off the building. Just looking at it lifts your spirit. You pull open a big glass door and enter. The atrium is huge and lofty, a cylinder of steel and glass, three stories high, with an array of skylights at the top. Your inner being expands. The ceiling is so high. And the design so crisp and clear and light. You feel like you're being transported. To a lighter level of existence, a lighter vibration. You walk through the main entrance building to a vast outdoor plaza made entirely of the Getty's signature travertine limestone. 
estimated to be somewhere between 8,000 and 80,000 years old. At the center of the plaza is a big modern fountain, an organic assembly of rocks jutting out from a pool of water. It is one of the few round things at the Getty. Everything else is square. Whether they're the stones underfoot or glass squares as windows or white aluminum squares along the buildings themselves, there are squares everywhere. Some of them are large. Some of them are small. But most of them are the 30 by 30 inch size. Perfectly sized for a human. A constant reminder of the scale of our lives, our place in the puzzle of existence. We are all together and we all belong. Around the plaza, connected by glass walkways, are the art pavilions. Each one is a large, cream-colored block, and they're strung together like a necklace around the plaza. Each pavilion contains a different portion of the Getty collection. You enter the West Pavilion and go upstairs to a large, lofty room. It has wooden floors and a high ceiling with a skylight in it. The walls are painted a purplish brown, and the room has a warm feeling. You look around Hung on the walls are works of many 19th century masters. You see the famous bright purple irises by Van Gogh. A portrait of a woman bathing by Degas. A still life of fruit by Cezanne. painting by Renoir of a woman in a white dress, 
her hand held by a young gentleman. You feel drawn to a very simple painting. It is of two stacks of grain standing in a field. But they're big, as big as shacks with thatched roofs. The one in the foreground is large, and just beyond it stands a smaller one. It is morning, and the sun is rising in the east, shining from the left side of the canvas, and the wheat stacks cast shadows to the right. It is winter, so there's snow on both stacks dotted messily on the wheat. And as the sun rises, some of the snow is melting. In the background, you see the snow-covered roofs of two buildings, a line of trees, and in the distance, a long range of hills. The painting is called Wheat Stacks, Snow Effect, Morning, by Claude Monet. French, these stacks are known as les meules. And to the art world, Monet's series of paintings that feature these piles of grain is known as the haystacks. You get closer has captured the sky with his signature visible short brushstrokes, creating tiny flecks of color. The sky appears a winter white. But Monet has painted it with yellow and cream and dashes of pink. You get up even closer to the painting. 
the ground is an almost chaotic array of pinks and blues and even green. But as you step away, your eyes adjust and all those flecks become the sun rising on the snow as clear as day. Using his agile combination of color, tiny energetic brushstrokes, Monet has created an optical illusion so vivid it seems alive. The wheat stacks themselves close up are nothing more than dots. Brown, crimson, blue, with flecks of white added for the snow and yet from a distance they have heft and gravity they are the work of a proud farmer waiting over the winter to be threshed They represent time and focus and the luck of good weather. They are real. But Monet has done more than paint these objects. With his skill, he has somehow captured the cold of the snow and the eager promise of dawn. And as you imagine, stepping into this scene, you can feel the icy wind whistling through the field. As you go deeper and deeper, Claude Monet was born in Paris in 1840. His mother was a singer and his father a businessman. 
He knew from a very young age that he wanted to be an artist. And his mother always supported him in his dream. Although his father was not as enthusiastic. When Claude was five, his family moved to Normandy in the north of France, where he became enamored of the natural world. As he developed as a painter, his talent was obvious, but his techniques were conventional and reflected the contemporary styles until in his mid-thirties he loosened up his brush strokes creating a more interpretive rendering of subjects. He also left his studio and began painting fewer portraits and more outdoor scenes. Monet's style spurred the Impressionist art movement and went on to revolutionize painting. Here at the Getty, you are seeing the haystacks in winter, in the morning. But in the late 1800s, grains like oats, barley and wheat would be harvested and then sit in stacks on the field for months before being threshed. So Monet came back again and again for seven months he returned to this field, to these stacks, and painted them. Some were in summer, at sunset, with a golden light warming the horizon. You can hear the crickets in the background. He painted the haystacks in the spring, surrounded by a pink mist rising over the field as the dew burns off 
in the morning light. Perhaps the most famous image of the haystacks was painted from a more oblique angle. Monet positioned himself at the head of a long row of stacks, spreading out into the distance. It is spring. At sunset. And the intense glow of the last light is shining between the first two haystacks. The golden yellow of the sun contrasts beautifully with the fresh green of the grass and the pinks and purples of the haystacks. Are there bees buzzing? It is warm and full and vibrant. Monet's fellow impressionist, Camille Pissarro, said of the Haystack collection, these canvases breathe contentment. Over the course of seven months, from 1890 into 1891, Monet did almost 30 paintings of various haystacks. And they were so successful, they catapulted his career. The abundance and beauty of the haystacks brought abundance and beauty to Monet. He was able to buy his home Giverny, where he painted his garden, 
for the next 20 years. More than a hundred years later, we can find paintings of the haystacks in museums in Paris, Chicago, Boston, New York, and Tokyo. that we can mix color and make new things. He encourages us to experiment, to transcend logic, He shows us that we can look at the same thing a thousand times and if we're really looking, it is different every time. We can be in the same place again and again. And yet we experience it differently. Because we are always changing.
to the left of the painting is a secret door. You open it and find a comfortable bed waiting for you. It is quiet and serene in this room. And as you lie down, you go deeper and deeper. As you close your eyes, your body relaxes. You drift and float. dream.